0: Hey guys, welcome to uh, Self-Evident Podcast. You got Massey, you got Mike, and you got Pastor Todd in the house, baby. How are we doing, guys? Good. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties, and the reason is because when I was switching things, I didn't realize what I switched. And I found out (laughs) one of the microphones that we have is broken. And, and, And I can only conclude two things with that, guys. I have kids. Now these children are great kids. They're, they're, they're raised by, 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 by a pack of wolves, uh, that we leave outside. And so they just ravage everything. They eat all of our food and, and they destroy things. So as soon as I pull a microphone apart, it's it's broken. So it's it's it, I don't know how it happened, but it happened, and so here we are, guys. So guys, again, welcome to Self-Evident Podcast. Uh, so we got a lot going on today. We got a lot to, to, uh, coming up as well, as far as like uh, conferences and things like that. So if you guys want to go to evident dot the self dot com, you guys can go online. You guys can register. You guys can totally uh, be a part of what we're doing. We have so much going on in the in the as, as far as in the likes of. Just what's going on next year but as far as this year we still got wars to fight guys right. we still got a church that needs to stand we still have a lot of things that need to change in our nation so guys uh thank you carol for tuning in right now gloria tucker is on if you guys want to register for our truth to power conference which is coming up uh here really soon brenda will cue up the video here in a minute you see pastor todd here in the center He's actually going to be speaking at the Truth to Power Conference. Uh, He's going to be doing a whole thing on biblical government and how biblical government works and why it works. Can you explain a little bit of that, please, just right off the cuff? You
1: know, I think what we've done is we've looked at this separation of church and state thing, and we've taken it to the extreme where the church feels like it should not have any kind of role in government. And the reality is that's not how God designed things. That's not how government works. That's not even biblical. Uh, meaning uh, we're going to go into scripture, and we're going to realize that there are people of God actively working in secular government, uh, and, and God is blessing them in that role. Uh, and so I think, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I think we'll talk a little bit about how the Johnson Amendment kind of separated things that shouldn't have been separated.
0: We are going to do that. So guys, check out this promo clip. When you guys uh, step in here, check out the promo clip, and uh, we'll get right into it
2: on the coronavirus, a- that everyone is vaccinated. Well, These will be executive orders which
0: don't need congressional approval. The new vaccination requirement. So in America, there's always a crisis going on. you see it all over the media where people are talking about crises and what's going on in America, but it's always been the Christian that takes a stand. And on January 14th and 15th of 2022, we are having a truth to power conference where Revive Church and Self Evident are partnering together to say we can do this church. So I'm calling
1: out to the pastors and the church leaders, listen, we have always had this mentality that there has to be this separation of church and state, and we've let it lead to a place where the church no longer has influence Mm -hmm. in government. I'm telling you that's wrong. I'm telling you that's ungodly. It's time for you to understand what the role of the church in government
2: is so that we can have an influence and stop the moral decline of our country. It's time for the Christian to rise up. And sometimes you've wondered, what do i do how do i do it it seems so secret we're going to have people there who are going to teach you how to do it
0: and we're also going to have a special guest representative anthony sabatini is going to be speaking he's going to show you why you should get involved as well so if you guys want to register it's a free event you're going to have lunch there provided as well for a small cost but you can go on to truth.com, register now the seats are filling up fast and guys we want you there again january 14th and 15th 2022 revive church self-evident we're coming together to say we can do this
2: all right. So that is going to be our conference. Guys, you need to sign up and register. The thing is, a lot of people say, oh, I'll just go. It's free. But the problem is then we don't know how many people are going to be there. We we have limited spaces. So be sure to check it out. Be sure to register. It's going to be amazing for you. You are going to get so much information out of this thing. And if you've ever had an inkling to run or be a part of what's going on around you, this is where you need to go. So Without further ado, we're going to do the news bits. We're going to cut into that. So we've got uh, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Yesterday, they ruled two to one that OSHA can now enforce the mandates because, you know, safety and all that. So Judge Jane Brainstetter stated recognizing that the old normal is not going to return employers and employees have sought new models for a workplace that will protect the safety and health of employees who earn their living there in need of guidance on how to protect their employees from COVID 19 transmission while reopening business employers turn to the occupational safety and health administration yay
0: yay (laughs) (laughs) i think i think what's unique is this is why we keep talking about the fact that you cannot trust courts one of the things that we, we, we started to understand was in the Fifth Circuit Court, when they say, look, government and OSHA does not have the right to mandate. Right. So then you read the Sixth Circuit Court's opinion and not one time did you see any constitutional reference. The only time they brought up a constitutional reference was this when they said that the state has police powers, when the state has police powers. Um, basically they say that the state can control. It's, right. it's got the authority to control its own people. Right. The problem with that idea is if they don't abide by their own constitution, they are going against the law. This has been the problem with courts this whole time. We've thought since 1962, so not even 73 and all these other things, since 1962, uh, when, when they took prayer and Bible reading out of schools saying that separation of church and state that whole idea changed the epi- how the courts ran. So in other words, now they can invite, invade on in our personal lives and how we worship God and all these other things. Courts have never gotten it right. Do you guys remember Dred Scott? Do we remember DOMA? Do we remember all these things? Now, the Defense of Marriage Act was signed by a president, first off, who was a Democrat. It was defensive marriage. No gays, no none of that stuff, no gay marriage, all these other things. The court upheld it, and all of a sudden, 20 years later, they said, it's unconstitutional. How does it go from constitutional to unconstitutional in 20 years? Right. What is, why do they consider it a living, breathing document? It's almost like, I've heard this saying before, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll jive when we, when we talk about it more and more, that the church first spiritually leads the way, then the physical catches up. In other words, when, this, when, the, when the Word of God and the Spirit of God aren't meshed together with the Word, we make the Word a living, breathing document. So in other words, we get too far in the weeds in the Spirit where the Word doesn't mean much. It's just the Word will catch up to where the Spirit is. But then we get sometimes too far in the word, which is why our church, revived Church, has that word and spirit back together. We get so far in the word where it becomes legalistic, right? And that's what you see now. We see a government basically taking the Constitution at no face value. It's just a living, breathing thing. Uh, President Biden came out and said that uh, n- nobody really understands. What, how do you even define an American, he said. Nobody's really an American. How do you define? And I thought— what how, what changed from 200 years when president washington was the one who defined what an american was one who followed religion and morality and its constitution how did that change right that's the problem with the courts this whole time this whole time the court system has been made to be the arbiter of law and i think
2: and and guys jump in here anytime you want it's it, what, what really bugs me is now they've taken health and safety health and safety are now their standards so You can determine that any way you want. There's no no bedrock foundational framework like you're talking about, Mass. And what I liked about the Fifth Circuit was they tried to relate back to the Constitution. And then the dissent on the Sixth Circuit putting this back into place, the the dissent said, um, as the Supreme Court has very recently reminded us, our system does not permit agencies to act unlawfully even in pursuit of desirable ends. The majority's theme is that questions of health science and policy lie beyond the judicial ken. I agree. But this case asks a legal question, whether Congress authorized the action the agency took. That question is the bread and butter of federal courts. This case can be resolved using ordinary tools of statutory interpretation and bedrock principles of administrative law. These tell us that the petitioners are likely to succeed on the merits. So I would stay OSHA's emergency rule pending final review how easy it happens when we put put the determination in somebody else's hand, right? I'm going
1: a whole different direction because I think the, the baseline problem is that we, we believe that the right thing to do is eliminate truth, that yeah. there is no standard, there is no truth, there is no constitution. Everything becomes fluid. Therefore, everything becomes whatever we want it to be for the
2: moment. Right. Uh,
1: so no longer are we dealing with um, the insanity, uh, and I'm just going to jump right in if
2: you don't mind. No, go for it. Uh, the insanity of
1: uh, where we're going with Omicron right now. now I mean, this is crazy. If you'll remember, it was not that long ago that every time you turned on the news, what we had was that flash of here's how many cases, here's how many deaths. Do you know why we don't see that anymore? Because there's not that many cases and not that many deaths anymore, but because there's a variant identified, we go into crisis mode and everything is shut down and mandates and mask and everything. When the reality of, of Omicron is it's a cold, there's, it's mild no deaths no kidding uh, for me i would say let's all get it and be done with this virus as a whole so we all build our immunity and go on while it's right mild. right uh, but instead what we're doing is going right back to well this is what we did
0: before we did mask we did
1: and we still have variants so that obviously didn't
0: work <laughs> right 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 uh, yeah but here's the thing this is where christians now i've been nailed on on this this cross that you don't love your neighbor pastor todd by keeping your church open. You don't love your neighbor because of a virus. Don't you see that there's a pandemic and 800,000 people have died? Don't you understand? How do you, how do you answer that? And my answer to
1: that is the same. I love, and and I want a church that takes care of people, but to sit and govern their life and tell them what they can and can't do. I, I mean, quite honestly, I don't want somebody telling me how I take care of myself medically. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to make that decision. And 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 I know this has probably been said a thousand times in a thousand different ways. But if you're vaccinated, what do you care if I'm not? Right. You're on, protected somebody. yourself. Right. What on, do you somebody. care if I haven't? I'm the one taking Come the on. risk, not you. And quite honestly, what we know now is if you're vaccinated, you're going to give it to me. That's right. Okay, so you're I, gonna shed. I, I need to sit back and no, it's not even shedding now. We're talking about uh, the fact that it's still transmissible, even if you have the vaccine. So I'm the one that's not vaccinated. I need to stay away from people who are vaccinated because they can give me the virus. Dang. Leprosy,
2: leprosy. Dang. And, and okay, I, let's. So I want to add into this. Just t- let's talk about that. <laughs> well, let's like, talk about that. I, I I may go a bit different track, but. It, Look, first off, look, guys, I'm just going to say this. Massey will know what I'm talking about. If you're in a Facebook argument, be respectful, okay? The, the Facebook arguments are such a waste of time for the most part, but if you're going to get into it, be respectful on what you're saying. Now, that being said, one of the problems, and, and I want you guys to, to either piggyback off of this or correct me where I'm wrong. One of the problems with this whole thing is this idea of, Love your neighbor as yourself, so therefore you have to go get vaccinated and wear a mask. The problem is none of these are defined sins to not do. So now what you're doing is you're putting your own conviction on somebody else, which this is classic Romans 14 in my mind. That's right. Is don't be putting your own convictions onto somebody else and determining what they're doing or not doing is sin if it's not defined sin, right? But he can be convinced right. in his own mind. And so I get frustrated when I see somebody saying you're a sinner for not getting the vaccine and not wearing the mask because you're harming your neighbor. Hold on. Where in scripture does it say I must get vaccinated and wear a mask? I love my neighbor, but that may look differently to two different people. I I, I think what
1: you're talking about here is is where's the line? What do we draw in that? Do we stop driving cars because we could potentially wreck with someone else? I mean, there's just no limit to what is is protecting my neighbor, what is taking care of him. And and I'm not saying it's an every man for yourself because it's not. We are believers and we do love and we do care. But there's a limit to sanity. (laughs) Okay, okay,
0: right. Go with that for a minute, because you can look up any statistic. and, and, And this this happened on Facebook just recently. You can look up any statistic. 800,000 people died of COVID. Nobody mentioned how obese they were. Nobody mentioned how old they were. Nobody mentioned pre-existing conditions and how many of those people. And just because a test said they had COVID doesn't mean they had COVID. Even the flu tests are 50% false positive. We don't even know. So like even statistically, the CDC came out and said, if you're vaccinated within two weeks and you die within those two weeks, you're considered unvaccinated. So they skew the numbers all the time anyways. Is this really a pandemic when you have literally 99.5% of the people surviving? And And they
2: pushed fear for so long. And to play that game of statistics, even the CDC said 94% of deaths couldn't be considered a COVID death. They were COVID with comorbidities. So they just tested positive. Then you get the PCR tests that are completely unreliable right you get four tests and you get two positive two negative right and the the whole cycle system of going out to 40 cycles which the the people who are reasonable say look this you're just finding traces of random stuff at that point you know and so to play that statistic
0: game is is really just but i think what it shows is how illiterate how illiterate and emotional the christian can become to justify their own narrative including politics right this is what happens when they don't understand history and liberty right? They just go by motion, which is what the Sixth Circuit Court just did. They had no mention of the Constitution. All they said was, well, there's a pandemic. We've got It'll to do it. Us. There was no mention of legality except for the police powers of the states. Read that Sixth Circuit uh, decision real fast. It says this, that, that the states have a police power in the 10th Amendment. The problem is it wasn't the states that enacted it. It was President Biden that, that, that wrote an executive right. order to OSHA to do all these things. Way different you see what happens with the courts when you trust them? And when you don't know law, you just say, oh, crap, there we go. And you know what you'll start to say within yourself? Must be the end. That's what happens when you don't understand law. You start to just go, well, emotionally, well, I, I guess I just, I guess we're going to lose. No, and that's ridiculous. Uh, you,
1: you have no basis in truth anymore. Bingo. Truth is manipulated based on what the politics of the time are, right. what you want to do. Uh, and so uh, when we get into this entire conversation, for me... Um, it's a greater conversation when I'm looking at a variant that is mild, that doesn't have any problem. When I look at the fact that, um, we don't consider at all natural immunity in the vaccine right. plan and program. Uh, and, and so you, you gotta believe there's a manipulation of some kind going on. Now, what that manipulation is, whether it's selling vaccines, whether it's control, whether it's a future end times issue, it doesn't matter. It matters that we step back and say, what is the real story here? What are the facts here? And and what makes sense? And when you have this kind of situation and you don't consider natural immunity at all, where's the CDC saying, let's test your immunity. And if you're naturally immune, you don't have to get the vaccine they're not doing that. Why? Because they're pushing a
2: vaccine. I was thinking about that (laughs) earlier. (laughs) I was thinking about that earlier today. So we were talking about, you know, with that line or that degree, right? And I was thinking about cars. I was thinking about the opioid epidemic. I was thinking about obesity, you know, and how many people die of obesity and heart disease and all that every year. The number number one and number two factors of COVID death are age and obesity. So, if we're going to determine that it is imperative that all Christians enforce vaccines, enforce masks, all of that, why are we not enforcing? weight loss program. Because you're going to and absolutely fitness.
1: kill the church potluck, and you can't
2: do
0: that. What about
2: all those casseroles?
1: We're all man? eating
0: vegan <laughs> What about Give all that mac and now. cheese? Take it easy, Mike. <laughs> That's it. it. No carbs. We're all going keto. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're treading on some dangerous ground here when you start going there, son. This is exactly,
1: exactly what I'm saying by where's the limit of being, of yeah. being Christ, of being Christian. And, and so, because uh, if I sit back and say, well, I've already had COVID, so I'm naturally immune, so I don't need a vaccine. Am I being un christian to not get the vaccine no i don't need it and you don't need me to have it
2: right (laughs) that's i and and i think you know we we and we'll get into the bill of rights in a second but i think that idea of, of leprosy has been brought up as well you know well christ went to heal the lepers and one thing i was thinking about is his disciples were right there with him. He didn't tell his disciples, get back, get back, somebody's unclean, yeah, social don't, distance. don't get near So not,
0: right? not only that, Jesus breaks Levitical code and law by touching the leper. Right. Because had he touched an unclean person, he had to be put out of the city for, what, seven days for the time of purification, whatever they call it. It was like seven days. He had to stay with outside the city, make sure he wasn't leprous or whatever, and then he would come back into the city, right? right. He broke Levitical law by doing that. So let's just say the law says... Hey, social distance. The church says, by faith, I've been given all authority under heaven to go lay hands and heal uh, and and the sick and they shall recover. That's why, 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 can you explain why we stayed open as Revive? I know it's not a bragging point. It's not, I'm just saying, what was going through your mind as a pastor to do that? I think
1: my point as a pastor was to, in essence, be a loving Christian by saying, hey, we are going to continue to meet. Okay, because we believe in the healing power of Jesus, because we believe in the corporate worship power, because we believe that we're not supposed to live in fear of these things. And so what we do to be Christian is we say, hey, we are still going to meet if you want to come, come if you don't join us online. If you want to come in a mask, come in a mask. That's mm-hmm. absolutely fine. If you want to come in the door and sit in the back and social distance, do it. But we're not going to allow a virus to keep us from worshiping our Lord, to keep us from loving on our Lord, to keep us from studying about That's our right. Lord. Uh, we're going to continue to do those things. But how we're going to be loving is to invite you to stay home and watch it online if you're concerned with that environment.
2: I think the beauty of that is it it differentiates between individual responsibility and, and coercion. Huge or force huge right? huge as you're talking i just thought about it like we're we're taking quote unquote the minimum standard True. which is fine because that's still allowing other people what they determine for themselves to protect themselves right yeah. instead of going to everybody and say you need to sit here and you need to sit here why don't you have a diaper on your face like instead it's okay whatever you feel you need to do to protect yourself we support you bingo that's okay we support that move.
1: I think if you were to go to Disney world today, or let's say you were to go to Disney world five years ago and you wanted to wear a face mask. Cause you were concerned that somebody there might have a cold and they give it to you. Disney's not going to say you can't come in here right. because you have it on. <laughs> so, so you take responsibility for yours. We're continuing to worship in the format that we believe God wants us to do. And by the way, we're going to make sure you have a format to do it from home. We're going to yeah. make sure you have a format to do with your own personal protection, with your, uh, uh, your uh, uh, separation, your space, all that kind of thing, whatever. But it's not up to me to dictate to you how you manage through this thing.
0: Right, right. I do think too, if the if the lead pastor does not have faith and hope against a pandemic, right? At least the head of the church, which is the the, the pastor, the 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 apostle, the apostolic leader, if they don't have the hope to push the church forward through a pandemic under the authority of faith. Who's gonna, who's going to do it? I mean, think about it. We're leading our congregants to Christ. Our job is to push them to Jesus. Our job is to push them to sanctification, to make sure that they're clean before the Lord, to make sure that they're uh, baptized in the spirit, all these things to know their giftings in Christ. If we're the ones who say, oh my gosh, obey government over God, then what? You know, I I think it goes
1: to another conversation we've been having for quite a while about um, the kind of pastor you have, uh, and, and and the the pastoral yeah, yeah, mentality, on. the come pastoral on. ministry always cares about the people, and, and so oftentimes the pastor, if that's the ministry, and I'm talking fivefold ministry and biblical, right. if that's the ministry they operate under, then everything is: what do I have to do to take care of you physically, to take care of you emotionally, to take care of your health? I'll do it. And so, I don't criticize anybody else who said, We're going to close the doors and you can watch online. That's great because that's a pastor's approach to it. But maybe an apostolic approach is if you're online at home and you'd like a pastor to call you, we want to make that arrangement for you. Right. If you want to come in here teaching, we want to have teachings for you to do that, right. whether you're online or here. Uh, and, and so, I don't think there was necessarily a right and a wrong unless it was done in fear. Unless it was done in fear. That's what I say. unless I'm saying. that pastor was saying, Hey, I'm scared that we might get to this virus and die. So we got to shut the door. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. fear.
0: And I think that's where it goes. And, and the other thing too, is either God knows what's going to happen or he doesn't either. He's sovereign. And I'm getting to a point when we say, Oh my gosh, this pandemic killed 800,000 people. Oh my gosh, what would have happened? Either God knew that and we can rest in that. Okay. People died. We know that. And that's not an easy thing. I, I literally was two days where I couldn't breathe. I understand how, how, how heavy this, Virus is. I get it, right? I had pneumonia. You, you were down for. Yeah. We Jared, Jared was weeks. down for a minute. Yep. Uh, George McMahon was down for a yep. long yep. while, right in the hospital. Yep. We understand that, but either God knew that, and we can trust His sovereignty. At hey, we are. You know, ten out of ten people are going to. National statistic just came out. Ten out of ten people die. One hundred forty thousand people die every single day. And the one thing we're talking about is, oh my gosh, we should mask up instead of. Where is that body saying? Why don't we go preach the gospel to those people, get them saved so that if they do pass, they're going to heaven? In other words, we took on the spirit of the world, this first John mentality, First John 2. We're talking about the love of the world is not the love of the Father, right? We The lust of the flesh, eyes, and the pride of life, the pride of life. It's like for some reason, and, and, and you explain this better than, than I'm doing it right now. You, you get to a point in your life where you're like, look, I'm going to pass one day. Yeah. And that's the glory, That's what we're looking forward to. Do I love my life? Yes. Do I love my kids? Yes. Do I love my wife? Absolutely. But guess what? One day I'm going to pass. And that fear has to leave my body. I'm not under the fear of death anymore. I'm riding on life right now. I know that I'm with the Father. If I'm abiding with God right now, then I know that if I pass, I'm going to, and he's got my family. He gave them to me. He gave me my work. He gave me all these things. This is why we should not fear at all, because he gave them to me. So if we have that mentality, we shouldn't be in fear about a pandemic or or anything like that. Or I'm sorry, a made up pandemic because it was this was totally contrived because world markets have stopped because of this stuff. Wow. I'm going on a tangent. I'm so sorry, guys. (laughs) I really am. I just went off on this weird tangent right now. Go to point two. (laughs) All right.
2: So we're going to get into Happy Birthday Bill of Rights because this conversation is kind of bumped up against this. So. Bill of Rights birthday was on December 15th. and if you're a new viewer, guess what? We don't have a podcast on Wednesday. <laughs> so we decided we'd do it today. Um, I just want to give a little bit of history and philosophy behind the Bill of Rights because I think it's so important for us to understand. People will throw it out the Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights bill. They don't understand what was going on with it. So what happened was they were having an argument when they' were writing the Constitution. Do we write out each person's rights? so that we know government won't touch them or do we not write Ooh, them yeah. out so that government won't think only the written ones are the rights people have what they decided was to write a bill of rights the first 10 amendments
0: why did they do that mike they wrote it to keep government confined because they saw in the past that when the government said yeah your rights come from god no big deal and when they didn't have those bill of rights listen The reason why Australia has what is happening is because they don't have a Bill of Rights. What has protected America for so long and its citizen is this thing called the Bill of Rights. Government cannot infringe. Now, they've tried, and obviously they they write laws around it to regulate. But notice they can't really stop your freedom of speech. Because if they can shut you down on the Internet, guess what you're going to do? Find another way to get out the message, right? So we have this thing called the Bill of Rights because they've seen civilizations pass. They saw civilizations pass where they would pass these constitutions under God, by the way. Under God. And still it would turn into to despotism and tyranny because guess what? Every man wants power. When they get in that position, especially if they're corrupt and immoral, they want power. And so they'll always do what they can to be a king. And so they knew that and they said, look, the Bill of Rights is a necessary thing. Now, there was two things that they wrote with the Bill of Rights. One, it wasn't a list of my rights, but rather a prohibition against the federal government. Thank if you, you read the first line, it says Congress shall make no law. And it goes through 10 different Bill of Rights. We have 27 amendments. Those things matter. Congress could not touch your freedom of speech press, couldn't touch your guns, couldn't touch your, your, your privacy, couldn't touch states' rights. Now, we've seen an erosion of that because government has taken on this thing called the living, breathing constitution, mm-hmm. which is wrong. But that was one of the reason, main reasons they wrote the Bill of Rights. Right. And especially
2: on that, so while they were trying to ratify the constitution, so before they wrote the Bill of Rights, because they ratified the constitution first, then they went back and said, okay, we'll write a Bill of Rights. During the ratification of the Constitution, Madison wrote in Federalist Paper 45, the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. In other words, what we wrote are the only powers federal government has. That's all the Constitution does is tell them what they can do. He said, those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The former, in other words, the federal government, will be exercised principally on external objects as war, peace, negotiations, and foreign commerce with which last the power of taxation will for the most part be connected. In other words, taxes should be pointed outwards, never inwards. Well, 16th Amendment, anybody? The powers reserved <laughs> to the several states will extend to all the objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concern the lives, liberties, and properties of the people and the internal order improvement and prosperity of the state. Now, when you look at general welfare clause, that takes on a whole different That's meaning, right. That's right.
0: right. Again, if you guys don't know the history of the general welfare, the general welfare was written uh, and it was taken actually from the Articles of Confederation, which meant if you read Article 10 of the... The uh, Articles of Confederation, general welfare meant protection of the states, not handing out free money to people who needed it. That was not the purpose of welfare. We now know welfare is a different thing, but nowhere does you, do you see in the Constitution mobilize money to go to individuals of the states or of the federal government. There should never be a federal government clause where they're pumping money into states, which right. is why you saw these COVID things happening, these mandates happening, because the money. We all know that when they kept those uh, mass mandates up and, and shutting down and all these other things. Our counties were getting some PPE, buddy, and tons of money, lots of it, so much so that if you go back in public records last year, a lot of them voted themselves raises because, of course, it was the money. Follow the money.
2: So in the Bill of Rights, we had the First Amendment, and the reason we're going to talk about this is especially because coming into the conference— What we're going to talk about is the relationship between government and the church and how the church gets involved. And people will say, well, separation of church and state. Now, if you're listening, if you're watching, you probably know that praise was taken from from a letter from Thomas Jefferson back to the Danbury Baptists who were concerned about an established religion for the government, a.k.a. the Baptists or the Methodists or whoever, having official charge and power, which they saw in the colonies at points. Thomas Jefferson writes back there will be no there, there will be a wall of separation between church and state but what he was talking about was look government's not going to get involved in the affairs of the church we're not going to have an established denomination that's ruling over everybody but what's more interesting is in the first amendment it says congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And everybody seems to see that as only restrict restrict religion. Think about it this way. They're not going to make a law on the the establishment of religion as far as religion making its own establishments, putting into its own places, doing Bingo. what it needs to do. Bingo. Right? So I want you guys to kind of talk about, especially this This focus of so often in the church, we're told we're supposed to, Romans 13, we're supposed to submit, allow government to do what they want to do. Just stay in your walls, please.
0: Wow. (laughs) I think, yeah, there was a reason we built it that way. right? (laughs) Because we had to build a premise for
1: this. You can just open the can here because this has been nothing more than a slippery slope. This has been nothing more than that statement about there be a separation, uh, being abused and used, uh, you get to what 1954 and the Johnson amendment coming out and saying, Hey, um, here's where the churches need to stand. If they want to be tax exempt, they cannot talk about either condone or criticize, uh, politicians. And so, uh, if they want to remain, uh, tax-free, uh, and then, uh, they have to stay out of politics, if you will. Right. Then we go into our school systems and we say, Oh, there's supposed to be a separation. So we got to take the 10 commandments out of school. Oh, there's supposed to be a separation. So we got to take prayer out of school. Oh, the, and we go on and on and on to where the mentality actually has now invaded the church. The church Weird. has allowed the mentality that we are supposed to stay out of government to invade the church. And that's wrong. It's anti-biblical. Come on. Okay. Yeah. And, and now I'm going to re- address this real quick because I think it's a minor issue, but I think it has to be addressed. A lot of people talk about, oh, the 501c3, the 501c3, you can't talk about politics, the 501c3. And it is true that in that Johnson Amendment, I want to get into the politics of why that thing was brought into play. Okay. Okay. But with that being in place in uh, May of 2017, an executive order was written canceling, in essence, the um, enforcement of that. And in other words, uh, you can't really go against. uh, So here I'm going to ask the question, when have you ever seen a church lose its 501c3 because it said something about a politician? You don't see it. And now we have an executive order that says, we don't want to enforce that thing, let's back down. Now, maybe that changes one day, maybe it doesn't. My point being is there is nothing right now that keeps the church, good gracious, got something in my eye. Uh, There's nothing right now that keeps the church from being involved in speaking about the political arena talking about government. As you and I have talked before, many times. I believe Romans 13 is saying there will be a government. Uh, God has established government. Uh, you will hear at the Truth to Power Conference what I believe that means when it comes to the government will be on the shoulders of Jesus. I don't know how you get separation of church and state (laughs) when it says the government will be on the shoulders of Jesus. And I think what's been taught is, oh, that's talking about the hierarchical uh, heavenly governments and whatnot. Not if you're going to use Romans 13 to say, we got to obey a governor, governor, no matter what he says, or a president, no matter what he says. If you're going to mix the two, let's mix the two. You can't do this. I'm telling you, there are major Bible characters involved in government and God is blessing them. There are major Bible characters who stood up and said the government is oppressing the people of God and it has to stop. And so God blessed that. Right. So I'm saying, what are we doing church? When we sit back and say, Oh, it's supposed to be a separation. We can't say anything about government. We can't involve the government. Now, now we can play with the term politics. I'm not talking Republican. <laughs> right. I'm not talking Democrat. I'm talking about where is the church when it comes to the government of our country, when it is established on a foundation of God. And then the church is told there need to be a separation and the church just sits down and says, okay, (laughs) let there be a separation. We won't do anything because that's wrong. And that's what God would want us to do. And yet you go into your own Bible and God shows you that they got involved with the secular government. They came against it because of the oppression of the people
0: of God. And God did something about it. Do you know, do you know why you want to be a part of this conference? Because of that? No, even just listen, you may never get involved in politics, You may never step foot in a public office. That whole conference is designed to get people engaged, to go active into public service, whether Christian, whatever. I'm sorry, whether whether school board, whether whatever, we want you as the Christian to be involved. But listen, even just that piece, doesn't that empower you inside to say, no, I must get involved in some way? whether by supporting, whether by voting, whether by something. We have the largest. What did uh, Dr. Ben Carson tell you about the voting base and all this other stuff? He
1: said that if those who profess to be Christians in the United States would come together in elections, they would decide every single election just because of the quantity (laughs) of people. You're talking about 94 million people who profess their Christianity. And the last president was elected with 80 million votes. So the Christians could be deciding everything, and that's not not even what I'm going after here. What I'm going after here is I believe that the church today has fallen to the paradigm, has fallen to the line of thinking, who has been sold a bill of goods that we are not supposed to be in politics. Listen, I was raised in church, and every church I attended up until probably I was challenged on this about 10 years ago, and I took the church line stand. I oh, were not going to get involved in government politics. so The church doesn't have any business doing that. Listen to me. That's wrong. The church does have a role in government, and we must stand up. This is why I want you to come to the conference. If you come to that conference, I'm going to bust your paradigm. I'm going to make you think about it a different way than you ever before, and I'm going to do it biblically. I'm going to show you in the Bible what the church's role is in government. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and preach it now, but I just want to tell you that we have a substantial role in government, and it's time for us to break this mentality of separation of church and state, right. understanding what it was originally said for and keeping it to that definition. Exactly. Come on. And
2: so and, and I want to ask a question of you, but first I want to make this statement is how Think, think about it this way. What better move by Satan than to get the church to be convinced that they have no authority in an authority structure? Think about that. Are (laughs) we not
1: learning right now what happens when we turn it over to the government and say, you make the decisions for the church? Right. Okay. We're learning that right now. Uh, But, but the truth be uh, that, that we are active in our world, in the kingdom of God, in influencing the government. and, and you've heard me say this before, but I'll, I'll say it again and I'll say it again at the <laughs> conference. If the church uh, let me let me back that up, since the church has taken the mentality that there's supposed to be a separation between the church and the state, What has happened in the state in that amount of time? Do you see God moving? Do you see morality increasing? Do you see people turning to God since the church has backed out? What does the government push? The government pushes what the prince of this world wants to push. And so we see this massive moral decline. We see decisions going away from God, and the church is sitting back saying, I guess we're not supposed to say anything about that. (laughs) I don't know about you, but Christ said, you have authority. Go and use that authority. So why, if if I'm using that authority against the demonic when it comes to illness and sickness, why am I not using that authority against the demonic when it comes to mental illness, when it comes to
2: the lack of truth, when it comes to lies of Satan? And, and. I've I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again: is there is no third option. There's no third choice. So if we don't get involved in government, guess what? We've just said, Satan, you're better at this than we are. Man, better I, at this I would love Christ.
1: to just take a, a year. Maybe I don't know. Let's for for conversation, say, let's yeah. take the year 1950. And then let's look at government from 1950 until today in all of the major decisions that have been made and say, were they for God or were they against God? Did they agree you, with the principles right. of God? Were they against the principles of God? And I think you'll find that the vast majority of those decisions are against the principles of God. And the church sat back and said, well, we're not yep. supposed to do anything.
0: About yeah. It, I so. think too, when you look at <clears throat> the biblical underpinning of government, when you look at every single—just walk around Washington, D.C. for a minute, you'll see most every single statue, uh, the, the Washington Monument, the Jefferson Memorial, all these places. The Supreme Court has literally Moses and the Ten Commandments in the middle of all these other lawmakers and philosophers of history. It was Moses. And the, why? Because the moral law had to be established before any philosophical law could even exist— so therefore, Scripture itself tells us that governments are an authority. Governments do have authorities. Governments are established by God through Christ. Our Declaration says governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, in order to protect and secure your rights. That is literally Romans thirteen. Yep, that is Romans thirteen, almost word for word, verbatim. So when you look at Scripture and you look at any major uh, biblical character, this is where I. This is why I got involved look at every single major prophet and even some of the minor prophets, they confront a government. That's why I got involved. That's why I had to do something. Because if they were in monarchies at the time with kingdoms, not republics, listen, we're not even a kingdom. We're a representative republic where they represent you. Therefore, it is your duty, regardless if you think of scripture about it, the way that the constitution was designed in the declaration was to make you have all the authority and the power as the citizen. Now add scripture on top of that Mm. With moral law, then it becomes even more of a burden and a duty to be on your shoulders, that the authority comes from you. Listen, the first constitution written on these lands was in Connecticut in 1638, written written from a sermon by Reverend Thomas Hooker. Do you know what the title of that sermon was? The foundation of authority is laid in the free consent of the people. In other words, they put it back on our shoulders. Read the 10th Amendment. Read Just read the 10th Amendment. It says that by the authority of the people of these free states, they gave us permission to have a constitutional convention. They gave us permission to have a government. They gave us permission to fight against England. It was the people that did it. They weren't dependent. We weren't dependent on them. They were dependent on us.
2: And, and I want to add to that because so Madison... He was writing the memorial and remonstrance against a religious tax enforcement. Now, you may think, okay, where is this going? But the argument he makes—and I want you to hear closely what he says— Before any man can be considered as a member of civil society, which we would all say government's a part of civil society, he must be considered as a subject of the governor of the universe. And if a member of civil society who enters into any subordinate association must always do it with a reservation of his duty to the general authority, much more must every man who becomes a member of any particular civil society do it with a saving of his allegiance to the universal society sovereign we maintain therefore that in matters of religion no man's right is abridged by the institution of civil society and that religion is wholly exempt from its cognizance in other words just because you have a religion doesn't mean that government gets to say nope that can't be a part of all of this he's saying it right there one of the architects of the constitution and the bill of rights is saying it you need to be to god first then to civil society because when you're
0: in a line with god you will produce a better civil society. Exactly. Because the morality has to coincide. Listen, we're, we're, we have Pastor Todd on because, well, number one, he's my pastor. And he's, he's you my feel like have, to. Kind of, kind of have <laughs> to. Second, we're using his building. <laughs> I feel so honored. No, no, that. no. I'm kidding. I honored, no, I'm kidding. Really. no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Look, I get the honor to be the assistant of this guy. Uh, he's he's such such a man of God. But move on. I know. I know. <laughs> Revive Church and self are Partnering. The purpose of this conference alone, not just the church side, not just the the purpose of the conference is because you're going to have six other speakers that are going to design, they're designed to teach you how to run for public office. We're going to, my goal is to get 10 to 15% of the people that come to run for their school board, to run for their county council, to run for their city council, uh, to be mayor, all those things. We have these things available at this conference. Most people, when I go out and speak, um, I agree with my buddy, JD, who just texted me. He said, it's cool that we go out and encourage, but if there's no thread being developed, you're going to these individual things can get cut. Right. Right. So it's like we have to kind of bring them all together and say, here's the training because they're, they don't know what to do. Most people are like, what do I do?
1: I, I think it's even even more simple than that. I, I think the issue is that they don't know it's OK. Uh, because Amen. because of poor teaching on Romans 13, we don't know if it's okay to actually get into government. We don't know that it's okay to break this separation of church That's and right. State That's right. And, and so once we figure out, hey, we should be involved in these things, then people maybe have the freedom to say, you know what? I'm sick of the way things are going in my That's kids' right. School. I'm sick of the way things are going in my county. I'm sick of watching the ungodly moves being made. If it's okay for me to get involved, I'd like to get involved.
0: Yeah. So, so I have a question. To to, to I, I should have asked this first, but why why this conference? Because you're you're kind of going against the grain here in a lot of ways with our area, right? So there's some churches that get involved, many don't, and a lot of them shut down. Why host this conference, knowing what could happen? What what the the recourse that could happen? Uh, listen,
1: my whole gist in this thing is I'm sick of watching our country go away from God. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the decisions that are being made. I'm sick of the confusion over everything from gender to viruses to everything else with no sanity, with no God, with no moralistic thread or fiber being introduced and watching the church sit back and say, it's okay because we're not supposed to be involved. Right. I don't want to stand before God one day and say, I didn't do anything about it. I just let it Come continue. On. I was okay because that's government and we're not supposed to be involved in that. So that was supposed to be yours to take care of God. And so I didn't take care of it. I didn't get involved. I don't want to stand before God and him say, you let that happen in your yep. city. You let that happen in your country. You didn't stand up and say anything about it at all.
2: That That totally brings to mind the parable of the talents. Think about that. The man with the one talent, what does he do? He hides it. He buries it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I'm not going to get involved with this. I'm not going to step out with this. The other ones took their talents and they went out and did something with it and multiplied. How dare we as Christians have what God has given us in terms of influence and wisdom, spiritual power and authority.
0: We hide that. And don't go out and influence the world for Christ. So I'm so glad you're here because this is opening up another door for another conversation. You had preached probably last year sometime. It was one of the, you preached it a couple of times, but it really hit me different that I'm going to be in charge of 10 cities, five cities. <laughs> no, but th- you know what happens when the gospel of the kingdom is not preached? Not just the gospel of Jesus. That's good. We need to get them saved. But then there's this kingdom mindset yep. where we have authority, man. And can you explain this? Because I think when you have that teaching, it brings to mind what we're supposed to do. You
1: know, most of that was taken from the parable of the minas. Uh, and, and the and the, the people that were given the minas and the master went away and came back and we were analyzing what is the mina? What does it represent? Is it is it financial? Is it just money that God affords us a certain amount of money and we're supposed to steward that and multiply? No, when you look in the story, it says that when the master returned, those who were wise with the minas that he gave them, he said, I will now put you over 10 cities. Right. Ooh. Now, this is a this is a piece that goes back to the parable of the talents too. So I'll take a quick talent ta- uh, tangent and then we'll come back. When the parable of the talents plays out and the one guy hid his talent, the master returns. Now, we got to know in that parable the master is Christ returning. He takes the one talent from the man who hid it and he gives it to the one who had 10. Ooh. What does that represent for you and me that after the master returns, after Christ comes back, there is still reward. There is still responsibility. All of this is playing up to how did you take care of it here? How will you take care of it in eternity? So in the Mina story, he gives them this. And then he says, you will be responsible now for 10 cities because you were responsible with the Minas. What did that message just... Say, he's looking at how responsible you are now so that he can put you in position to be responsible in eternity. Man, it's not sitting on the clouds <laughs> singing songs to the father. Yes, I think there'll be times in the throne room. Yes, I think there'll be times of Course. worship. But I think there will be cities and nations yeah. and we will be given responsibility based on how we handle the responsibility exactly. to today. So do I want to sit back and say, I don't really care if the government is godly when I know I'm being measured as to how
0: I'm going to be used in eternity? Yeah, I do think too. Okay. <laughs> Now before. we need to now we need to have you back next week just to do a teaching on that, <laughs> right? You know, he should just be the third he should just be our guy, right? There we go. So here like here hear this. When Christ returns, or when we go up to meet and he says, "Well done, thou good and successful servant." Notice he doesn't say, "Well done, thou good and successful leader." There's a reason because leaders are servants in scripture. Right? How we serve here on earth, how we serve the Lord here, knows how we will lead in the kingdom in the next. I believe when I heard that teaching, I was like, "I have never Ever thought about the fact that what I do here on earth is gonna play out in the kingdom of God. If I'm right. apostolic, I better be using that gifting and expanding the kingdom while on earth. And it's funny because even we all kind of we, we've heard stories of the the prayer the, that Christ taught us to pray in you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallelujah. When he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, that is literally him saying, This is a litmus test. Right. I'm, I'm showing you you can have the kingdom of God on earth, folks. Listen. If we can have the kingdom of God on earth, why? how can't you be involved?
2: And and this goes into the idea that I, I think there's been kind of a, a misconception about the idea of salvation. So salvation tends to be that end goal. It, we got to get people saved. That's just that first That's step. The entrance. Like we, right? That's the entrance. Then it's furthering the kingdom of heaven, furthering the kingdom of God, right? So then if salvation is just that entrance point— Now, all of a sudden, it's I'm about my master's business, which means going out and producing for the king under his guiding and his will.
1: So I think this week, um, the the church, I I don't handle all my Facebook posting and whatnot, uh, but they posted a quote that I said in a message, which was Christ talked more about the kingdom of God than he did about salvation. That's right. Uh, And it was really interesting to watch some of the responses to that statement, uh, because some of the responses was and. (laughs) So what's your point? The point is that this is about entering the kingdom. Yes. Salvation is just an entry point. And what we have the mentality of is, man, you need to get saved so that you'll spend an eternity in heaven with God. And yet we have no concept of what that means when that eternity comes. There's a new heaven. Listen and a new earth. Ooh. So all of a sudden our our, our paradigm of we're going to sit on the clouds and sing to the throne room to God becomes, no, there's something more.
0: There is is. Yeah. There,
1: there there is something that we're training for right now. And,
2: and I think to add to that, when, when we work from the mindset of salvation is the final goal, all of a sudden our actions on earth amount only to getting people saved. When that becomes our entrance, all of a sudden the the agenda of the kingdom becomes our objective. Got so it. then the talents okay, becomes yeah. okay. Go, so go. The how, how right? can it be your kingdom come
1: and your will be done? I want it on earth like it is in heaven. Okay. In heaven, the enemy has no authority, no place. Everything is operating under the kingdom. So what we're asking for on this earth is for the kingdom of God to be operating and for the enemy to be shut down. Exactly. And so who does that? those who have entered the kingdom of God. Our role is to shut down the works of the prince of the power of this air, the prince of darkness. Our job is to operate in the kingdom now to get those things. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Most people are thinking that means we're protected by this set of gates. No, the gates of hell is what we're charging. We are charging against the gates of hell, and they cannot stand against us. What does that mean? It means I rock right into the country of the Prince of Darkness because he cannot keep me from coming in. And I shut down the works of the enemy because his gates cannot prevail against the pressure I'm going to put on him to go in and say, enough, enough abortion, enough gender confusion, enough of this stuff, the divorce, all of this stuff that you're bringing in. It's time for the kingdom of God to step in and say, your gates can't keep us out. We're coming into your Somebody kingdom. Somebody better come and
0: comment Somebody better comment hallelujah right now right? or some amens. We better hear some 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 praise breaks right now. I feel like, man, I'm going to jump up and down right now. Shoot. I,
2: I want to add on to this because it, there's a paradigm shift that has to happen as well in terms of if Christ is the head and the church is the body, who is the body submitting to if we've decided that satan can have control over the governing authorities what we've just said is christ you don't have power or authority over this sphere so we're going to have to submit to satan on this no christ has all authority so the body submits to the head the body doesn't look at what satan's doing and say well that's just the way it is no the body says "Uh uh-uh not here My head is Christ, and Christ does not put up with this type of stuff
0: under his authority. Especially if we're Christ's. He was not defeated by death, by sickness. He wasn't defeated by this earth. Therefore, if we're of that seed, we're born of a new nature and an incorruptible one. Listen, what's your story? It's going to be heavy, but what's your story going to be when you get up to, I overcame porn. Like, is that it? It's like all that, defensive, the existence not was offensive. Yeah, right? the, exi- the, the existence was, I overcame porn. I became a better dad. Or, man, I read Hebrews 11 and I took that on. That we saw God subdue nations. We saw him stop the Mavs Alliance. We saw him heal, save, deliver. We saw him change our community and our cities. We saw him take territory in our counties and our cities. We saw him bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. I think that is where the Christian misses it in a lot of ways, because we've been preaching this Jesus-centric kind of uh, salvation-based message, which is good for evangelists. But do you see why the the, the health of the body—I'm going on a tangent in a minute—the health of the body has to be the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, because the apostle will lead the way to the kingdom teaching. The evangelist brings them in that door. If all we have is either pastors or evangelists, we lose the kingdom mentality. And we're not going to take ground in this, in this field because that's what apostles do. That's what prophets do. They're out to go after kingdom mentality, right? That's why the baptism of the Spirit is so important. That's why you'll hear people, that that was for them. I find it funny. Jesus told us to go preach the gospel to every creature. He told the disciples that, right? He also told them to go heal the sick, uh, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. But we're supposed to omit that because that was only for the disciples. But we're all supposed right. to preach the gospel? Mm. Uh, how many,
2: uh, and here's a question. How many men in Hebrews 11 are honored by their faith purely because they resisted sin? <laughs> Think about it. But, but we've wow. taught people, your strength is in the fact that you're not sinning anymore. Dude, praise. As opposed come to on. moving forward in faith and taking action, taking territory for Christ. For
1: Salvation isn't the end goal. It's the first goal. Right? Salvation gets you in the game so that you can accomplish the goal. Okay. And so when we believe as believers that we are now operating in a kingdom of God with the authority of Christ, then we have a job to do. And this includes in this conversation the job of looking at how we are governed by a secular government that was established on the inalienable rights of God. Uh, and and now we're going to sit back and say, well, let's, let's believe that we're supposed to be separate from the government so we can let it be taken over. No longer is it your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come. It is, we're not supposed to be in this and just let it go
0: downhill. Right. I do think the next
1: up, that's messed up.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think the next three weeks when we come back and do the show, we'd love to have you on because there's so much we got to cover before the conference starts. Listen, there's a link right now that's pinned that is for the conference. I believe it's pinned. I'll unpin this one, and I believe that one's pinned. Go down there and register for the conference. We know a lot of you are going to show up without registering. That's great, and I've already heard. I, I know a lot of people are going to come and not register. Yeah. We want you to register because there's also lunch involved as well, but we want you to be a part so we know how many like parking attendants we need to have out there to make sure everything's good. We are expecting 700 people, and we know God's going to bring that because we want them mobilized and engaged, but I didn't prepare you for this but we always do a life lesson what's God showing us this week this month whatever I didn't prep you for this uh for 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 from for Massey here uh there's this life lesson and we minister to the people through these life lessons Pastor Todd was gone for a couple of weeks and uh I it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay here you go and I'm like all right I can handle this no I can't <laughs> I'm freaking out right <laughs> I realized that there is nothing that I can do to make something work of what God has called me to do. Allow me to explain. I, I I've, I've, I've physically learned how to let go of a burden. I literally went to the Lord and I said, this is not mine. This is yours now because I didn't call me to this. My job is to remain clean in this. And so when you were gone, it was a Sunday morning and I'm, I always get nervous. See, all the shows I do and all the, I've done these presentations 300 times at least. I still get nervous before I do a, a preaching and I get nervous, like where it's almost debilitating. I got to go to the restroom and all this other stuff. But this one was different. I, I was praying and I was like, Lord, I'm not in, I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going on inside. Uh, and, I, and it's, it's mainly that not, not a people pleasing thing. It's not because I want to please you. It's just, you know, I, I don't want to destroy. I don't want to do anything wrong or, or anything like that. And so I was sitting there and I was praying in tongues. I was like, Lord, I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. I just, I need you to come through. I literally physically heard the Lord tell me, stand back, this is my church, watch what I do. And I sat down, and I don't know if you guys have ever watched a stick of butter melt in the microwave, but that is literally what happened with anxiety, the, the fear, it just melted off me. And the whole place erupted in worship. And I thought, dang, we don't have a hand to play in anything that he's going to do. Right. He's going to make this thing work. Therefore, my my life lesson, I guess, in this whole respect is, when God has called you to do something, the Bible literally says he will perform it. He will do it. He is faithful as he was has called you who also will through us do it. He will do it through you. You just keep yourself clean, open, and available to hear the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, ever since that time, I've been hearing clearer. I've been seeing farther prophetically. I've been kind of more in tune with you. I, I don't even need to come to you as much as I used to. It's like I get what he's going to do. I can kind of feel you're still five steps ahead of me. But it's it's just in that. And then I turned that to self-evident. Lord, there's nothing I can do to make this thing work. And step after step and after step has been taken care of. That was a very, that was a 15 year lesson. I've been asking the Lord to show me how to let go. And it took that moment and it was the coolest moment ever.
1: Uh, let me give you a picture to put with that, that I think uh, uh, that we don't see because we we take this one scripture and we roll it into something uh, uh, where we don't break it down. Uh, the scripture that says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Okay. Come to me and you'll find rest. Okay. I, I want you to get the picture of the yoke, right? What is the yoke when it comes to what he's explaining? A yoke is a, uh, is an apparatus that you hook around two beasts that have to walk in unison. And he is saying, I want you in the other half of my yoke. Okay. So in other words, you're not doing this on your own. We're doing this together. So if I'm yoked with Christ, then the pressure for my performance comes in my ability to be in sync. So now I'm not sitting back saying, you're looking at me, you're you're holding me accountable and responsible. And what's my eternity going to be? And I better do this and I better do this. I'm saying, how do I stay in sync with you? How do I stay in sync with you? Now, listen to me. Sometimes that means I cannot go forward with what I want to do because it's not where he's going. Man, the ability to say no to good things is huge. Come on. Because they're not Christ things. I need to stay yoked with him. So, do I have to lead the church and set the direction for the church and go to the church? Those are job descriptions. But if I think I'm going to do it without being in sync with Christ, right, 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 so all I'm saying is I'm looking to the right and saying, where are we going today?
0: Forward. Okay,
1: let's go forward. <laughs> I
0: think it also taught me too, the burden of a lead pastor, like yeah. what that feels like. It's, it's almost like a, it's a different weight and it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's not of this world. It's just not of this world. You can't physically comprehend that, that, that type of burden because it's not a burden in, in a physical sense. It's a spiritual weight that just, it's just there. And it's, and it's, it it, it consumes your, in, in a good way, it consumes your mind. It consumes like, Lord, what, uh, you know, we want to see mi- miracles and healings and salvations, but Lord, we want more than that. What's going on here. So it really taught me a lot. And, 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 and that's just, that's just a life lesson for me. I don't know if, if you've learned anything. More. No, I,
1: I'll, I'll throw more on it. Um, Yeah. It may be a mentoring moment for you. Okay. uh, You have got to get to a place where, you recognize the peace that passes understanding because you are being responsible, but only for what he's telling you to do.
0: Right. right. So I
1: don't have to be responsible for everything. How many pastors have you heard? It's a common theme that pastors burn out. Am I correct? Truth. Uh, Some commit suicide. Some get out of the ministry. I believe that the vast majority of those people are either falling to peer pressure or don't understand the yoke. Right. They don't understand the yoke with Christ. That it isn't about whether they're good or not in and of themselves. It's about whether or not they're yoked with Christ. I
0: want you. To, I want. I want you to. I want to read this. Uh, this Go. lady said, "I've been searching for rest since my husband passed away a year and a half ago. I need rest in Him. Looking in the wrong places." So yeah. I'll say you to that. So
1: this is what I would say to you today. Um,
0: Her name's Shelly. Shelly, you may or may not know
1: my story. Uh, But in 2000, I was 38 years old and my 36 year old wife uh, had succumbed to three year uh, battle with cancer. Uh, And died. And and so at 38 years old, I had two children and my wife had passed away. And you have to deal with that. Okay. You have to deal with that. You have to process through that. And people will tell you, oh, you know, time heals all wounds. Time doesn't heal all wounds. What heals the wound is perspective. Okay. Uh, I pray uh, that your husband was a believer. Uh, And and if he was a believer, uh, then he has accomplished what we're all wanting to accomplish. Uh, you know, when you really get down and get quiet with the Lord about your life, if you're a believer, the goal is to leave this life and to join that eternal one with Him. So He has gone to vacation ahead of you. He is in eternity ahead of you. He was blessed to go ahead of you. But let me say something else about helping you find peace for today. I want to ask you a question, Shelley. If the roles were reversed, if the roles were reversed and you were in your eternity with God and he was still on earth, what would you want to speak over him and say to him about the rest of his life? Wouldn't you want to say, I don't want you at home full of sorrow for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years. What I want you to do is know that we're going to be re- reunited one day, but for today, find joy find it in your friends, maybe find it in someone new, maybe find it in a career, maybe find it in something. But I don't want to know that I have left my spouse to remain in sorrow and misery. I want them to enjoy the life. You would want him to find a way to find joy, to dance, to laugh, to enjoy life until you could be reunited. You've got to sit back, Shelly, and say, this would be my husband's desire for me that I'm not miserable, that I'm not filled with sorrow. And so I'm going to honor him by going and finding joy. I'm going to go find it in friends. I'm going to find it in cooking. I'm going to find it in a hobby. I'm going to find it maybe, I don't know how old you are, Shelly, but maybe in another marriage because he would want you to be loved on. He would want you to be taken care of. He would want somebody watching over you in the same way if you were gone, you would say, I don't want him to be by himself. That'll be a lonely place. I want somebody there with him to help him. So take confidence that the Lord is working together all things for good, even though that doesn't make sense at all right now. But I think what you could do today is just recognize You're a vibrant, wonderful person today, and your husband would want you to find joy. I just want to pray for you, Shelly. Father God, I pray that you would give her a peace that passes her understanding. She does not have to know why it's okay, and she can find joy again. She just knows it's okay to do it. Shelly, you're making the right decisions. Let God guide you into a joy and a peace again. Release the sorrow. And be okay to be at joy in Jesus' name.
0: Wow. Amen. <clears throat> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wouldn't Whew. have been able to say none of that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I, I, she she had said that I, she must know you. She, she said you would prayed for her once before. But I think it's still hard. I think you still process very. It's, it's still very process-oriented, right? Because sure. it goes up and down, I'm sure. So good word, man. Can I ask you, Pastor? What is it that 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 is a life lesson for you that you've learned, uh, whether past, recently, that really changed how you pastor, how you change, how you, you know, what you do now?
1: I, I don't want to be cliche, but I want to go back to the conversation we've already had about the recognition that I'm operating in a kingdom of God, that there is work to do, that I am being uh, not measured in the sense of. Uh, are you doing good enough or are you not doing? But God is looking to me and saying, i am given you these things. i put you in responsibility of a church and I want to see what you're going to do with it. Will you stay yoked with me? Will you still listen to me? Will you still follow my ways? Will you stand up for rights? Will you? I'm yeah. operating in the kingdom with authority and power. My role is not to wait until I die. My role as a believer is not to just be glad that I'm going to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. I want to take as many people with me as I can, but I want to recognize that there's a job to do today, that there's responsibilities, that the kingdom of God has to be preached to all the earth. Listen, that only begins with the gospel of salvation. It's the kingdom of God we're preaching to the ends of the earth. We're preaching that God's kingdom has authority and power here today and now. And so for me, the life lesson is I'm not waiting for eternity. I'm right. walking in the
2: kingdom. Man.
0: How do you follow that? I was going to say, right? go for it, buddy.
2: Yeah, here we go. Um, for me, especially lately, I've been really learning, working on this process of prayer and, and stepping deeper and deeper into prayer, um, as well as activating a, a prayerful war in the middle of things. Um, a a lot of times I I think what happens is, is we just allow things to happen to us. Then after the thing passes, then we, we pray about it or or we pray into it, Right. but in the midst of the emotions, in the midst of the problem or the issue, learning how to all of me get into prayer about that situation, even oh. when the emotions are battling and hitting. And, and I had it just two days ago, and it was like, I got it, it, and it really was spiritual, like emotional, just grinding on me. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And of course, immediately, what the response is, I, I'm just going to wallow in these emotions, and you know, Lord, help me out. Lord, help me out, you know, as opposed to actually investing into prayer in that moment and getting before the Lord, despite the emotions, despite how I'm feeling, despite the pressure and praying, praying out through that process and, and having active, powerful, authoritative prayer Come on, and, and just learning that of how to react with prayer, with, with worship, react to each situation scripturally and, and know that. I've got Christ with me. It's it's not okay, come on back now that the problem
0: subsided, got you it. know.
2: So that's that's really what I'm learning right now. Good work.
0: Yeah. yeah, everything's good. And so I think uh the more and more we do these, the more yeah. we hope that it's not just teaching you. It's actually setting you free inside and, and that that God has got a hold of your heart to do greater things than even he did. So the purpose is, I, I and this is where our life lessons come into play. It's like, dude, I can believe that I, we, we can change the government. Right? I can believe all these things. But man, when it comes to you sometimes, it's like, why am I struggling with that insecurity, that fear, whatever it is, right? And it's crazy because I can believe for huge things, but he's working on you, the man, yeah. first before you go out. Uh, in the public. So, guys, again, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Sign up for the conference. Listen, if you guys also want to sponsor or support this ministry, you can do that by also going on theselfevidenttruth.com. Listen, it's fertile ground. We're going out there and reaching so many kids, so many people, and we're going to continue to do that. And, and, and guys, listen, uh, we're partnering with Revive Church. This isn't our first and only occasion to partner. I believe this is a merger that needs to happen because we're going to see not only the church take territory, but it's going to take territory in the right way, in a godly way, in a lawful way, the way he established it and, and, and all those other things. So we are honored to have you on the show, brother. Glad to be uh, here. And dude, you've already knocked it out of the, already we're like, is he going to come back? <laughs> all right, whatever, well, whatever. But he will be here, God willing, if he can, the next few weeks to, before the conference, because so we can really flush these things out. We'd like to bring on some of the guests that are coming, like yeah. Gloria Tucker, just put them on video for a little bit, kind of share why they're coming. But there's so many issues we need to cover as the body that it's our time to activate. Listen, 2022 is a year that's you've already kind of prophesied this, but 2022 for for, for revive is a big year, but I think nationally is a big year for the elections, for all these things going on. Most people say, oh my gosh, it's a pivot point. I've been hearing that since 2000. So I got Most important
2: election ever. Ever. We're going to die if
0: we don't. Listen, it's not just that. This is a longevity issue. It's not just a race by race issue. If we can get these things done and we saw what happened in Virginia, that gave me hope that the church is alive and well. It is active and we can do this thing. But this is why we're doing these conferences. This isn't the only one we're going to do with Revive. There's going to be more that come. But we want you to be a part of it. Again, go to the Truth to Power Conference tab on the top of Revive, or I'm sorry, theSelf Evident Truth.com, and you guys can sign up on there. And uh, we'd love to have you apart. January 14th and 15th, amazing speakers are coming. Representative Anthony Sabatini is going to come. He's the freedom fighter here in Florida. He's literally one of the only ones that stand with Governor DeSantis on pretty much anything Governor DeSantis uh, uh, does and says as far as for leadership and liberty goes. But uh, again, guys, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.
2: All right. Love you guys.